Welcome to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, a show dedicated to podcast advertising. If you're a podcaster or an advertiser and you're wondering how you can take advantage of this rapidly growing space, you're in the right place. On the program, we'll discuss strategies and techniques to optimize your experience with podcast advertising. All right, here we go. Hello and welcome to the Podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood. Today I'm joined by a special guest. Samantha Lee Wright actually has worked with True Native Media for a number of years as one of our podcasters. And she is a host, a podcast producer, and also a teacher at pineapplepodcasting.com. Welcome to the program, Samantha. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. So I said you're a special guest because I think you're one of our very first podcasters to actually ever come on the program. So I'm super excited to chat with you. I should have looked back in the records, but I want to say we're going on probably three years working together where True Native Media has been placing ads on your podcast. Does that sound about right? I know. I meant to look at that too. I think it's been closer to four or five years actually, because I've been podcasting since 20 the December, 2015. And I think it was about a year in that I started working with representation with true native media, but I'd have to go back and double check that. Yeah. So it's been a little while and your show has definitely gone through, you know, several different kinds of renditions. And now you've started your pineapple podcast Academy where you're helping other podcasters learn the ropes and get started. And for the purpose of our conversation today, I of course want to focus on podcast advertising and just that piece for you personally as a podcast host. And so I guess I'm really curious, what made you decide to go ahead and take advertisers on? Because I know there are certainly podcasts out there who are like, I'm not really interested in having advertisers. What made you decide to work with advertisers? Yeah. And I think that advertising isn't the right choice for all podcasts out there. I think it really depends on the type of podcast that you have, the kind of message that you're bringing to the world and what kind of monetization strategies that you're planning to partake in. For me, my podcast, my audience is a very, very niche audience. So my podcast is all about the world of essential oils, very, very specific and a very tight knit community. The show that I provide to that community is education. People come to learn from me. They don't really come to buy from me and because usually people already own essential oils. So really the only monetization strategy I had in place at the time for my my personal business was selling essential oils. So when I start a podcast about essential oils, I do get a few customers now and then that are maybe new and they want to buy essential oils through my company. But for the most part, people who love my show, my true fans are already into the essential oil world. They're never really going to be my customer unless I create other products geared towards them, which I have done. But when you look at my audience as a whole, I realize, wow, I've got this great community of people who know me, who like me, who trust me. I really feel like it just, all the stars align to be like, let's do advertising because I think I can monetize that well. I can do it well. It's not going to offend my audience. And it just, it just made sense. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you have done a great job with your ads in terms of really delivering for the advertiser. And that is such an important piece of the campaign. So accepting advertisers, when it gets down to you selecting an advertiser, so often True Native Media will bring you a variety of different ad options. How do you choose the advertisers that you want to work with as opposed to those where you're like, gosh, I just don't really feel like that's going to be a fit for maybe myself or my audience. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. I kind of have this running joke when I reply to an email that it's, I think it's Gretchen who usually sends the emails out. That's like, Hey Sam, we're working with a potential new advertiser. Do you think it's a good fit for your show? And you guys are so great at finding these advertisers and sending in those inquiries to me. And every time I reply back with no, not a good fit. I have this running joke. That's just like, Oh, they must hate me over there because I'm always saying no, or I feel like I'm always saying no, even though I'm not, I'm, I'm booked with enough ads. I say yes to enough to, to make it count. But I think not being afraid to say no to potential advertisers is really key. And how I base that decision is always coming back to just knowing who my audience is. I know who my ideal listener is. I know who that person is. And I know what kind of products they're going to align with. I also work in a space where there's a lot of competition and there's already certain products that I endorse or I promote. And so if there's a, another advertiser that comes in that's just too closely competitive to one of those things, then I'll, I'll tend to turn it down because I don't want my audience to get this very confused message from me of like, oh, Sam said she really liked this energy drink, but now she's promoting this other energy drink like in the same week. It doesn't really make sense to do that. So at the end of the day, I really ask, what would my audience like from me? Could this benefit my audience? Because advertising to me should be a win, 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 a win for the advertiser, a win for me financially, and a win for my audience, because I want to recommend products to them that will truly benefit their lives or that I think they'll really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I still look back on my early years in the podcast industry and I will never forget when podcasters started saying no to advertisers because, you know, having come from a very traditional advertising background, if someone had money and they wanted to place an ad, we said yes, you know, unless it was illegal to advertise that service. And I am always still to this day surprised sometimes when podcasters turn down advertisers because I think, gosh, this is great revenue. Let's take this advertiser on. But all of the points that you make are so important important and so valuable. And I believe that they're one of the reasons that podcast advertising is so effective, because as you mentioned, if you are talking about one energy drink, one, you know, one day, and the next day you're talking about another energy drink, really, how is that coming across to your audience? And are they actually going to be interested in that product or service when it feels more like you're just saying, hey, I've got all these advertisers. If you're right. interested, go buy it, as opposed to saying like, no, I actually really like this. And what I love about what you're doing is that you actually really consider the product before you take them on as an advertiser. Do you feel like that's something that all podcasters do? Do you have any idea or do you feel like that's something that is near and dear to your heart that you only advertise products that you can get behind? I think it depends on the podcaster, the podcast and 
and the brand, my brand really is a very personal brand. It's sort of me at the front and center of it. I'm the face, I'm the voice, I'm the message. And it's this very small, tight-knit little niche community focused all around essential oils and, and health and wellness. And so for my show in particular, to me, I, I treat my show like it's a baby, like it's just this little baby that I'm protecting all of my listeners all the time. I just feel very protective of my listeners and the messages that they're hearing, especially mm-hmm. within that framework of health and wellness. You know, I remember I will get a request maybe for a Jack Daniels or a whiskey company or, or something alcohol based. And even though I personally drink alcohol, I don't have anything against alcohol. It's just to me, doesn't feel like I can with good conscience come on to my health and wellness audience that are trying to live their healthiest lives ever. And they're there to learn how to do that for me and me going, well, commercial break real quick. Let's enjoy some alcohol, you know? (laughs) So I think that if you are the personal brand behind your podcast and your podcast does have a very tight knit, small or niche community, then it is more common for you to say no. And and you kind of have to, to keep that trust with your audience. But if your podcast is more of a generic or or broader podcast, like a, I don't know, true crime or, or something like this American life where it's more investigative journalism and the topics are kind of all over the place. And it's not so much about the personal brand of the host as much Then I really think it matters a lot less. I think that you can have much more general advertisers come on. But I remember Heather, one day you told me because we were, we were looking over at numbers and I was also um, thinking of switching over to dynamic advertising. And we were, so we're really getting into the nitty gritty of the numbers. And I was kind of beating myself up. I was like, wow, and Heather, I'm like, I only have, you know, like eight to 10,000 listeners, you know, like I'm so small, I'm nothing. And you're like, Sam, like, your, your ads are more effective than shows that I've seen that have a hundred thousand listeners, you know, and because it is such a focused targeted community. And I think that there's, it's a two-edged sword. When you have that targeted community, you do have to be more protective. You do have to say no more, but the flip side of that is the trust that you have with your audience is so strong. And so you really are able to advertise way more effectively. And like you said, kind of please those sponsors a lot more and yeah, and get that ROI for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what I see about your show is that your audience is really engaged. And like you said, and you've referred to your community several times from an advertiser standpoint, when you're thinking about the types of podcasts that maybe you should advertise on, I think it's really easy to see these mega shows and think, oh, well, I have to go over to this mega show. If I really want to get you know results from my campaign, I'm going to have, have to advertise there. But we have seen, as you said, tremendous results with your show um, for advertisers. And I really attribute that to the engagement that, like you said, you are are that front and center face of your brand. And I really believe that you are an influencer. And that's part of the reason that when you say, hey, this is a really great product, you should go check it out. People are going to respond to that. So I guess I'm curious, do you feel like you have done anything in particular to really create that engaged audience? Um, with my advertisers, advertisement specifically, or for this show in general? 
I think for the show in general, I'm really interested to hear about how you create engagement with your advertisers. But for me, it does start with just general engagement period, because, you know, if you're a podcaster and you've got a very transient audience that's kind of coming and going, they are not going to be as powerful, number one, for you, the host, but they're also not going to be as powerful for an advertiser. So do you feel like you've done any specific practices or have you done anything in particular that has has made for a more engaged audience? I think that in the beginning, when I was deciding to launch my podcast, I went through a really, really in-depth brainstorm session and took a really long look inside to think, wow, okay, you've decided you're going to start a podcast. What exactly is this podcast going to be about? People who have listened to my show for years which by the way is called the essential oil revolution in case people are wondering. They've been listening for years and they get really shocked when I tell them this podcast almost didn't happen. I almost started a completely different podcast. I was thinking about starting a podcast either about childbirth because I was a doula at the time and I taught childbirth education or more of a women's health podcast or just an alternative health podcast, so a much broader podcast. And when I looked at kind of all my options out there, I decided, you know what, the thing that I'm just most excited about right now, the thing that I'm really plugged into the most right now, as far as the communities I was interacting with online, like in Facebook groups and whatnot, really was my essential oil community. I was a young mom. I had just started my, my business with essential oils. I've been teaching classes around it. And I was just really, really excited and passionate about it. And I also recognized I'm already really plugged into this community based on just the groups that I was in and whatnot. So I think first and foremost, understanding starting your podcast based around where you already have a little bit of influence, even if it's not a lot, but when, where you're plugged in already, that also allows you to truly understand who that audience is. Because at the time, my audience was me. My audience was just people who are starting out in the essential oil world and wanted to know everything. And so starting my podcast was super fun because I got to really put all of the questions I wanted answered out there and talk to experts and have all those questions answered. And so I stayed really plugged into that community. The podcast was just that next level up of, okay, I'm not just interacting with this community on a peer level. Now I'm kind of becoming a voice of this community, but I never lost touch with who that original community was. I was still active in the Facebook groups. I was still having conversations. I'm still networking. I'm still going to you know conventions and just being a part of that community. So I think that one mistake some podcasters can make, especially when they have a niche community, is once they put themselves in the role of influencer or authority, then they forget to also stay a part of the people, <laughs> go do all the things that the listeners are also doing, whether that be going to certain events or interacting in groups. I think that's really important to keep in mind. And also engage that community in your podcast somehow. Mm -hmm. On my show, I have a segment where we read a recipe out of what we call our DIY dugout. And all of those recipes have been submitted by listeners. So I like to pick a random recipe for the week and read it out loud and give a shout out to, you know, oh, thanks Susan, who lives in you know New York City for this recipe and have that really interactive part of the show. 
I think those little things really do count when it comes to keeping that engaged community and, and staying a part of a community versus just becoming some influencer who's high up in the clouds and, and never on the same level anymore as, as their fans and their listeners. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really good advice. Cause I totally agree. I, I definitely have seen that happen in my life with influencers that I have followed where it feels like people reach a certain level and it's almost like they're looking down on you. So when maybe they had been a part of your community, now all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm kind of over you or I'm above you. And then suddenly they don't feel as relatable anymore or they don't feel like they're part of your community. And I think that that detachment really impacts them. So going back to your original question, how do you then take that engagement of your audience and bring that engagement to advertising? It's so critical and it's very difficult for, I would say the average podcaster to create engagement around ads. How do you do that? Yeah. Well, most advertisers will request personal experience of some sort. And I think some podcasters take that as just one of those things they have to check off the box. Like, okay, I talked about how I like that it's red or I like the flavor of it or whatnot. And they kind of do a quick, a really quick personal experience thing. But for me, I always start out an ad when I hit that record button, I'm looking at all the talking points that I'm supposed to hit. I always start out asking myself, what's my personal experience with this product? And I base my entire ads typically around what that personal experience is. And I think that ga- that gives um, just a genuine, like I'm talking to a friend that I'm recommending a product to, and that can make a really big difference. And part of that is also not being afraid to get vulnerable with my audience in my ads, you know, I'll have ads that I'll I'll have people approach and be like, Oh, I heard your ad about, you know, this or that. And like, it got me a little teary because sometimes I I can get very vulnerable with my audience. You know, we were running um, ads for Noom, a, a weight loss product. And, you know, my, my, my first ads with them was like, Hey guys, like, I have to admit, you know, I have not been walking the walk. I've like, I've been telling you guys about eating healthy and doing these things. And I've been really struggling with those things. So I was introduced to Noom and I resisted it because I didn't want to do it, but I tried it anyway. Cause you know, I'm not going to try any products and, and advertise them to you guys that I haven't tried. So I resistantly tried this product and Noom helped me lose 20 pounds and made it help me really regain my confidence. And so this this ad was just an example of how that personal experience can get vulnerable and real. And that's really where I think effective podcast advertising comes from. And that to me really goes hand in hand with you accepting our declining advertisers, right? So if you took every advertiser that came to you, you couldn't possibly have a personal connection with every brand that comes across your desk. And so being selective, choosing the advertisers that you know, you could potentially get vulnerable with that product or create a really compelling message around it is going to make a world of difference to your audience because you're going to be able to create ads that they're actually interested in listening to. And then subsequently, of course, create a world of difference for your advertiser because then they're going to see results. So that is really a pivotal piece in creating successful ad reads. Um, Would you agree with that? 
I would hundred percent agree. Absolutely. And I think there's only been one time where I had to actually back out of an ad because of my personal experience. And I felt very bad about that for you guys. I was like, ah, oh, Heather's going to hate me because I'm backing <laughs> out of this ad, but I know you don't actually feel that way, but that's my vault, my, my, uh, self, your self talk. No. Anyway, I remember this one advertiser that we had signed the contract, we'd done the things and they, you know, sent me the samples. And sometimes these processes can feel a little rushed. It's like, okay, I'm saying yes, but I haven't gotten the sample yet. So, you know, hopefully this works out. And in this one case, I got the sample and I tried the product out for like a week. And I was just like, man, I really hate this product. I'm just, this is something I would never use. I thought I'd really like it, but it's just, it's not working. It's not giving me the results that they said they would. So I'm sorry, but I got to back out of this contract. And I think that's only happened one time. So it does help to be very scrutinizing beforehand, but sometimes you really do have to stick to your guns and be like, nope, I don't like this. So I'm just not going to advertise it. Right. Right. Well, and that you know, it's not ideal when we have an advertiser, right? That's ready to go and run. But I think that that does speak to, again, your ability to be authentic. And realistically, when we are doing these host red endorsement ads, we don't want hosts talking about products that they don't actually really like, because ultimately the success of the campaign is based so much on your ability as a host to do a good ad read. And if you've got a product that in the back of your mind, you're thinking like, I really would never buy this product. That's going to come across in your persona and even your tone and, and how originally. Or sometimes it's just the, the question of, well, I could maybe do a good job of selling this, but then my listener who then gives me their trust and says, oh, well, Sam says this is good. I'm going to buy it. And then they have a bad experience with it. Then what does that do for that trust that we had, you know? And so right. sometimes I am like, well, yeah, I could sell the crap out of this, but I don't think I want to, you know, that trust to me is the higher currency than the dollar amount. And then that goes back to engagement as well, right? Because if they buy a product that you've advertised as being really great, then they don't, if they don't like it, or they can tell when they get the product that it's not actually really what you discussed, that they're not going to be engaged anymore. They're not going to trust you and everything kind of falls apart. So it really is pivotal to go down that path. So I'm curious if we had, let's say, 10 companies in a room together that were all doing podcast advertising, and you could tell them anything um, about maybe how to make successful campaigns work or maybe ask them questions, what would you want to ask or what would you want to tell them? Mm, That's a great question. Well, I would say first and foremost, you know, give great samples to us, enough samples that we can really truly get a personal experience from. And the more that you can keep those coming, it really is easier to keep those ads really enthusiastic because they they like the ads to change up each month. And I get that and stuff. But if, you know, if I'm basing all my personal experiences off of one sample of trying that product one time, then it, it does start to feel stale and it does start to feel like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep giving the same personal endorsement. So keep on with the samples, even though I know it it costs money to send samples, but I think that the payoff is going to be way, way higher. So that, and then when you're creating your talking points, so with, when I get a a campaign order from true native media and they're right, here's the order and here's the talking points to go over. 
please make them one, one page, one page long maximum because I've gotten, you know, four page long talking points and you're, you know, it's 60 second ad, you know, um, and I, I tend to go over, I tend to do more like 90 second ads, but I know people really like short and sweet and it's, it's really hard to get short and sweet when you're trying to figure out, okay, out of these four pages of talking points, what, what is the most important thing to include in a 60 second ad read. So I personally really like it when there are advertisers that give some flexibility, but they also have certain things bolded or certain things in red where it's like, you can basically say anything you want, but please make sure you at least say this or, and that. So, and I love it when they include a nutshell or subtitle of what this company is, because I love being able to give a quick explanation of, Hey, this you know, this uh, week we want to thank blah, blah, blah for sponsoring the show and blah, blah, blah is a quick, short and sweet, you know, elevator pitch of what that product is. When a company can provide that for you really makes your job a lot easier. And I think it makes the ad more effective too, because they know their, their company better than I do. And they typically have way more uh, talented copywriters than I do (laughs) as well. You know, I'm not a great copywriter, so I have a hard time kind of summing things up short and sweet. So if they have a team that's, that is talented at doing that, then please include that in the talking points. (laughs) It's very helpful. That's awesome. So just to summarize that, obviously as a host, the the more products that you receive, the easier it is to keep the ad read, reads fresh. And then with the talking points, which I know I have personally seen as well, as you could imagine, you if you give a host way too many things to say, I think it is very overwhelming. And ideally in creating these authentic reads, we want to give the host space to interject their own experience and their own you know opinions or takes on that brand and so by giving too many talking points it makes it really difficult to focus on the core of what's really important so i would definitely second that if you are putting together your talking points for a host make sure that they're really focused because that will allow you to get the best ad reads possible so i want to transition a little bit and talk about the academy that you've started so obviously you've been successfully podcasting for a number of years what made you decide to go ahead and start an academy to help others transition into podcasting? Yeah. So the academy started as a book really. And the book started as just a response to people asking me for it. I'd been podcasting for a while. And I remember when I hit 1 million downloads for the first time, I started, a lot of people started approaching me. Oh, Sam, you must be really good at this. I have an idea for a podcast. Can I pick your brain about it? And that would happen a lot. And more recently we've passed 5 million downloads of my show. And sometimes I look at that number and I, and I forget how much has happened to get me to that, that point. And then other people will be like 5 million downloads, Sam, like, that's incredible. You're really good at this. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess, I guess I am good at this. And so people will ask me for advice all the time. And I only have so much time to, to give to each individual individual person. So I was like, all right, I reluctantly wrote a book, <laughs> pineapple podcasting, to provide all my answers uh, for how to get started in podcasting and how to do it specifically on a shoestring budget, because that's, that's where I started out. When I started my podcast, we were a family of four, we were making $17,000 a year. 
that's where I started. I started my podcast in my crappy basement with my, you know, $40 microphone and bumming money from people so that I could afford the media host. And I have a very big passion for helping other people who are newbies, who are just getting started, who have small budgets, but have an idea that they're passionate about and really need to make it work. You know, I am a huge fan for podcasting for the sake of podcasting and putting a message out there, but I'm also a bigger fan of making it monetarily work for the host as well, because that's what I needed for, for me and my family when starting out, I was like, I need this to work. I need this to bring in money. So I learned a lot in that process. And the more, the more people approached me for help, the, the faster I started writing the book, the book came out and I got really great feedback from the book. But the one component that was really missing was that feedback was that ability for people to talk to other students or to talk to me and be like, Hey, Sam, I'm really stuck on X, Y, Z. Can you help? So I essentially turned the book into an online Academy that also is much more visual because podcasting is a very visual thing. I've got a lot of uh, lessons about sound editing and how to use GarageBand or how to set up a studio and set up a microphone. And these are all very visual things. So I had a lot of fun turning those concepts into an online uh, video-based lesson platform that also has weekly group coaching as well. So every week my students get to come on, um, talk to me directly, talk to each other, get feedback. And that has been um, such a blessing. It's been really, really fabulous to see my students get the feedback that they need and to see those light bulb moments go off to be like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. Like, thank you. And to come back next week and be like, yeah, so I started recording. And because of this thing that, that you know, maybe this other student said, I was able to get the show that I've always like wanted to have. So it's been a really beautiful experience. That is so awesome. Very, very cool. In terms of really creating the podcast space, I feel like oftentimes people act like we are saturated. We have had so many new podcasts start since January of 2020. And, you know, now we're headed into 2022. Last I checked, there's over 2 million podcasts. And so I think that people feel like, oh, it's, it's so saturated. What's your opinion? Do you feel like the podcast industry is saturated? Absolutely not. I mean, even if you look at, okay, maybe we're at 2 million podcasts right now. And that's a debatable number because you, you have to also look at how many are actually active anymore. And that number is last much time lower. I saw was much, much lower, you know, somewhere in the 500,000 range or something yeah. where podcasts are actually producing ongoing content. But if you look at how many blogs are written each day. You're looking at millions upon millions. If you look at YouTube content that's produced, you know, published each day is in the millions, I believe. I had these, I have these numbers written down somewhere. But um, compared to other platforms, absolutely podcasting is still a much easier place to find your footing than other places. I just think it's also one of the more accessible places to get started as well. You know, you just need a microphone, a computer internet access and, you know, 15 bucks a month, maybe to, to get hosting. You don't need a, a huge budget. Like you would, if you were producing uh, videos or producing a book is really expensive and, and a lot of work as well. So I think there's tons of room, tons of room still. And we're only scratching the surface at the genre itself. You know, if you look at 
film and the music industries that have been around for a century or more. And you can see the development of those platforms, the, those mediums and what has happened to those mediums artistically. It's evolved over time. Podcasting has only been around for like a decade and the, the creative elements that have gone into it have, have come further than they used to be, but there's still so much more that can be done. Like I cannot wait to hear what podcasts are going to sound like in another 10 years. I think they're going to be just this next level experience that, and it's going to keep evolving. So we need more creative people to come in and and push those envelopes and push those boundaries to be like, well, what if we did a podcast like this? Or what if it sounded like this? And that, that stuff gets me very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Samantha, thank you so much for coming on the program today. If people are interested in connecting with you, maybe learning more about your podcast or the podcast Academy, where can they connect with you? Yeah. The best place to do that is on my website, pineapplepodcasting.com. If you're kind of newer to podcasting itself and you want a beginner, a beginner's guide to getting started, I've got a free workshop on there that you can sign up for. And if you want to find my book, pineapple podcasting, it's on Amazon. Excellent. Well, thanks for being on the show. And um, I hope that this episode has been informative to you. It's great to talk with an actual podcaster and get kind of a peek behind the scenes about how they approach podcast advertising. So thank you for joining me. If you're interested in learning more about true native media or learning more about podcast advertising in general, head on over to truenativemedia.com. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you again in the next, in the next episode. If you want to learn more about how to be a market leader in podcast advertising, reach out to us at truenativemedia.com.